0: Other than leaning on your family, what are some of the other core values that you chose to make leadership decisions by that helped you make a wise decision?
1: Yeah, you know, listening and and getting getting advice from people, uh, leaders in individual fields. So, you know, we leaned heavily on the Oklahoma National Guard uh, through COVID. A lot of people don't realize that. Uh, how involved the Oklahoma National Guard was.
0: I've learned so much over this first year of podcasting. And I wanted to share with you guys the 10 most life-changing lessons that I've learned this year. So I created a document and it's on my website. What you're going to do, you're going to go there. It's going to be 10 life-changing lessons. Click on that button. It'll ask for your email address so I can email it to you. Sign up for it. Because these life lessons radically changed the way I viewed my life and the way I started living. It helped me to get better in the areas that I've so desperately wanted to see progress and growth in. And because I know they helped me, I really believe that they will help you. And I wanted this to be a gift for you guys. So I really hope you enjoy this gift and go to the website, thewholepersonpodcast.com to get it. It's free and I hope you guys enjoy and learn as much as I did from it. Today, I have the man who sits in the governor chair when the real governor is away. Today, we have Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell, who graduated from my alma mater, Oral Roberts University. He is the chairman, previously, of the Republican Oklahoma Party from 2010 to 2013, as well as Republican National Committee as well. But right now, he serves as the 17th Lieutenant Governor of Oklahoma, as well as the Oklahoma Secretary of Tourism and Branding. So, welcome to the show, Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell. Let's give him a round of a hand.
1: Thank you, man.
0: My pleasure. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. How are you?
1: I, you know, Evan, I'm doing great, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Friday. Uh, which is a good thing. Uh, you know, we are extremely busy right now inside of uh, our state government, but uh, the, the, the great news is that we just finished our legislative session and uh, we and we had a really good one. So uh, we're feeling good right now.
0: Awesome. Well, I am super glad that uh, things are going well. And I, I got to tell you, you know, your terms, both you and, and Governor Stitt, it hasn't been an easy term. We've had flooding, we've had... COVID, you know, a whole bunch of things. So, you know, just right off the bat, how do you guys handle such adversity, handle such difficulty, as well as allowing people to keep individual freedoms? Yeah. It, because really, like, it could have been easy to take and strip freedoms away.
1: Yeah, no, it's, I mean, listen, it's a, it's a great question because it, it, it was... Uh, a balancing act for a lot of states. Uh, in Oklahoma, you know, we chose to say, listen, uh, it's cities. Uh, the governor, you know, kind of said, listen, cities and uh, can choose to do uh, masks or no masks, but, but uh, as the governor of the state of Oklahoma, we're not going to institute a statewide mask mandate. Some people approved of that. Some people didn't approve of that. Uh, but we really put it on uh, we really wanted cities to make those decisions, whether it was a small city or a large city, uh, and and really at the end of the day, it's personal responsibility of that individual. Uh, and you know, just me and my my wife and I and our four kids, we sat around dinner tables over the last year and a half talking about what we were going to do as a family as well. And so I, I think one of the things that really came into focus for me as far as handling adversity, you know, I, I am married and and we have four kids, and so. We, it was a lot of family decision making. Uh, make really, in a lot of ways, for the first time in a really long time, uh, communicating and having communication with your family. Sitting around a, a dinner room table and making decisions as a family is so critical. Now, listen: if you're not married, if you don't have a family, uh, I think it's extremely important of having a group of men or a group of women that, that you can surround yourself with uh, to, to, to lean on to get advice from, I, that is so important, whether you're in the middle of a crisis or not. I think it's important that you have accountability partners and you have a group of men or women that you can lean on. And certainly I did, but I, but I really leaned on my family quite a bit uh, through the, the adversity that we've had the first couple of years in office.
0: Right. So other than leaning on your family, what are some of the other core values that you chose to make leadership decisions by that helped you make a wise decision?
1: Yeah, you know, listening and and getting getting advice from people, uh, leaders in individual fields. So, you know, we leaned heavily on the Oklahoma National Guard uh, through COVID. A lot of people don't realize that, uh, how involved the Oklahoma National Guard was. You know, the Oklahoma National Guard and, and the Guard overall, they're, they're re- always ready, always on. I mean, that, that, it, the National Guard is, is, is prepared for crises. So it only makes sense that we would reach out to the National Guard in a time of crisis. Uh, they've been trained in, in years and years uh, to, to handle adverse situations and to help the state of Oklahoma. So we leaned on the National Guard quite a bit. We, we had all of our daily briefings uh, in an Oklahoma National Guard center. Uh, where the Oklahoma National Guard would brief us on COVID cases, personal protection equipment, uh, where are we with hospital beds. I mean, all of those things, when we were really knee deep into this, uh, we had the National Guard there who was trained in these these situations. So we didn't want to just have an ego about this. Well, no, listen, we're politicians. We're going to make these decisions on our own. We wanted to make sure that we brought people into the fold. Uh, yes, healthcare workers, but also again something uh in, an organization like the National Guard that is trained in, in in these areas. So again, it's a it's another thing that we really I, I think I really was a teachable moment for me as well. Don't let our egos get in the way. Uh, yes, we have core principles. We have true norths uh, that 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 we as individuals and as elected officials are are are, are going to adhere to. But it is extremely important that politicians or or anyone in leadership surrounds themselves with folks that have expertise in different uh, in different areas. You can't do it all by yourself. Uh, If you try to do that, a lot of times you're going to fail. And we saw that through the last year and a half. We were able to lean on people that really helped us and really positioned Oklahoma to be a leader.
0: Yeah, you know, as an Oklahoman, I really do appreciate how it was handled. And even though I personally never much wore a mask, that's because my specific city didn't mandate it. And so I'm even more grateful to the local city ordinances that didn't require it as well. Um, So, you know, we were talking about crisis and leadership and how, you know, a lot of that teaching and fundamental stuff of how to make decisions comes from the way you grow up. So tell us a little bit about who you were and where you came from and how you kind of got to this point.
1: Yeah. So grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, I'm a, I'm a Tulsa boy and, and uh, we still live in the Tulsa area. Kids go to school uh, at Jinx and in the South Tulsa area, you know, the city of Tulsa really gave me every opportunity to, to, to be successful. Um, You know, I, I was always surrounded by teachers or people at my church uh, that really, um, it really um, uh, helped me along the way. They cared about me as an individual. I wasn't just a social security number or something like that at, at school. Uh, and in a lot of cities uh, in other states, I don't know if you have that, but in Oklahoma, uh, you know, the, I, I think the people of Oklahoma is one of our is our greatest asset as a state. We we help our neighbors. We help each other out. Uh, and and I saw that uh, growing up in the city of Tulsa. Um, you know, the, 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 the arts that were, uh, the art scene here in the Tulsa area, you know, how spoiled we are, right, to have, you know, Philbrook and Gilcrease and Rock and all of this history that's just right out our front doors. It, it's truly remarkable. Uh, and, and again, I grew up around that. Uh, the, the amazing outdoor recreational activities that we have. So, I mean, I grew up going to state parks uh, and, and why I have a love of the great Oklahoma outdoors today is because of uh, growing up uh, and going, going fishing with my grandfather. Uh, and so I, I look back again in a, in a city like, like uh, Tulsa that I've been able to grow up in, North, in, in green country with all these amazing uh, uh, tourism opportunities and all the great culture and history that I've grown up around uh, it really instilled in me a, a love for um, uh, marketing and advertising uh, of the great outdoors uh, and uh, just the love of, of of the state of Oklahoma. And I would have had that, I think, growing up in any town across Oklahoma, but, but being a Tulsa boy, I think, added to it.
0: Right. You know, there's a saying, you don't know what you have until it's gone. So growing up, I grew up in Kansas. Yeah. I never... In my life, wanted to move to Oklahoma. I was a Jayhawker, you know, yeah. Sunflower State. Like, I was a Kansas boy through and through. But the main reason why I didn't want to move to Oklahoma, is because as a young kid, I just knew that Oklahoma license plates were butt ugly. Uh-huh. And I made my uh, perception of Oklahoma based off of the license plate as a child. Yeah. And then God called me to this university called Oral Roberts University, came down here, graduated And I met my wife, got married, and then, you know, we moved off to Phoenix, Arizona to try to plant a church a few years after being married, and we were there for three months. Hated it. Yeah. Hated it. Yeah. And we left on December 29th of 2013, and all I wanted to do was be back home in Oklahoma for my... 25th birthday and I drove like 22 hours plus straight in a huge U-Haul pulling a car just so I could get back to Oklahoma and celebrate it on my birthday because I didn't know how amazing the state was until I didn't have it anymore. Yeah. And what that taught me is that our community has such strong foundation, such strong heritage, such strong pillars of community and relationship that just isn't there in other states. You can't build it as easily. And here, I feel like it's much easier to build with people. And so what are some of the, the foundations, would you say, to building a strong community?
1: Yeah, I, I love that story, by the way. Um, it, and I hear that feedback quite a bit from individuals that are moving to Tulsa right now or, or, or just to Oklahoma. You feel like you can make a difference in the state of Oklahoma. You, you, you can be anything you want to be in Oklahoma. You can make a difference day one. And that's why a lot of remote workers are moving to Oklahoma today because you're not up to bat next in Oklahoma. You're up to bat now. Uh, it, it, as next generation, uh, uh Age groups, and I think that is something that, that to build a a, um, a healthy community, it is to make sure that the older generations don't just again pat those younger generations on the head and say, "Hey, maybe one day you'll be able to lead an organization uh, in Tulsa and in communities across the state in Oklahoma." I've seen just the opposite. Uh, I've seen young and old coming together, uh, knowing that that every generation can make an can impact. Uh, and I think that's how we will build the state, uh, how we'll build Oklahoma, how we'll build uh, thriving cities, is making sure that um, individuals from around the country moving to Oklahoma, knowing that they can make a difference here.
0: So what made you want to make a difference here in the community that you lived in? Instead of, you know, being the boy who grew up in the same town and then wanted to get away, why did you decide to stay and then just want to have the impact on the community.
1: Yeah, you know, when I graduated ORU, my wife and I both, you know, I, I worked on a, a couple more campaigns in the state. But we did choose to go to D.C. for a few years. Uh, we lived in Washington, D.C. Uh, for about three years. And, you know, to your, your, your story of, of moving to Phoenix, you know, we were in, in, uh, in D.C. for three years. And I was so homesick uh, I, I missed Oklahoma for the first time, you know, maybe ever. Um, uh, just, just not realizing how good I had it, uh, and and so we knew we did not want to raise a family there. We wanted to raise a family back in Oklahoma, and so we moved home. Uh, and and when I came home, I, I had made that decision at that point that hey, we're going to make a difference in our in our hometown. I, I want Oklahoma to be a state that next generations can be proud of. Yes, maybe they go to college somewhere else. Maybe they go get a a job outside the state for a couple of years, but that they always want to come home. Uh, And and I I want that for my kids. And and so that's a big reason that I wanted to be involved back in my city and back in the state of Oklahoma. I want to build a world-class state. Uh, I want to do it the right way, kind of organically. I want to help businesses here first. Uh, but but I, I want to build an amazing state a state that, that people can be proud of and have a choice because it is a choice at the end of the day if you want to choose to raise your own family here or start a business here uh, and and the the policies that we promote the the way that we market and sell the state of Oklahoma I, I hope is helping tell that story and it's it's telling Oklahomans here today that we're we're here to invest in you uh, to build a kind of state that you want to stay in.
0: So as an individual who lives here, you know, I often think about what I can do to make a difference in my local community, in my church, but even maybe in a little bit bigger way. What advice would you give me or other people who want to make a difference in their community and maybe even in their state?
1: Yeah, you know, I've always got involved in different clubs. You know, so when I was in college, I, I was even, you know, kind of going to Chamber of Commerce meetings, or small business meetups around the city of Tulsa. Um, uh, I would go to park and recreation meetings even when, when I was in high school and, and college.
0: You were that guy.
1: Yeah, I was that guy. You know, find, finding a club that you can, you can be a part of. Um, and, and be, Because, again, those clubs are about building community. It it may be, it may be a, you know, a, a club about, um, sports. It may be a club about, you know, frisbee golf. It may be fishing. I don't know what it is that you are passionate about, but I, I'm almost, I will almost guarantee you there's some club or a group in your community, uh, that is meeting up, talking about those issues. Well, they're, they're wanting to build a better city around that issue. And that's what's been amazing to me for for me to see as a lieutenant governor. Now I get invited to all of these different groups. Um, Some of them are are within the scope that I have authority over. Some of them aren't. They're all over the place. And and, uh, I I would highly recommend anyone that's wanting to make a difference, find what you're passionate about, and then go find the other people in your community that want to do the same thing. Because you can make change happen very quickly if you do that.
0: That's awesome you know the position that you have you, you get a large 50,000 foot view of everything that's going on in the state as well as you get an even much larger view of what's going on around the US than someone like myself you're you're more informed so how how do you through culture through opposition hatred build something that is top 10 when so many other people are wanting to tear you and it down
1: yeah um also really good question um particularly in this environment uh a political environment that's very polarizing a culture uh that that is that is pretty uh polarized as well on a, a number of hot button issues um i think Americans are, are looking for a, a positivity, though, at the end of the day. They're, they're looking for people uh, that are real, that, you know, not, not, not canned talking points. But what, I've, what I have discovered is when I'm giving a speech, um, and yes, I'm a, I'm a conservative, I'm a Republican, but if I'm real about it, uh, if, I, if, I, if I come at it uh, with, with uh, being honest and open, uh, no ego about it, then I can break down a whole lot of walls mm. and that there are a lot of common uh, themes that Oklahomans or that Americans uh, truly believe in. There's always going to be dividing lines uh, when it when it comes to politics. But but I, I am still convinced that Americans uh, do want uh, leaders that they can rally behind. Uh, and even if they don't agree with them 100% of the time, if they can find an individual, say, well, at least this person's being real. They're being open. They're being honest. Because there has to, there does have to be an honesty about it. And you got to drop your ego. Uh, then, and, and if you're willing to work with other people, then you break down a whole lot of walls. There's always, like I said, at the end of the day, there's always going to be some uh, some some dividing lines on policy. But I, I, that's the way that I've always tried to lead. And, and I've, try, I've tried to do that as lieutenant governor. I think we've been pretty successful at it. Um, some wins, some losses, of course. Um, but that's the way that I've always kind of uh, tackled issues and tackled uh, adversity. Uh, but I certainly have had to, to learn. And this is something that I tell you know, particularly high school kids growing up you know, that are addicted to these phones today and, and getting that dopamine hit right of getting likes on social media. You don't have to be loved by everybody. Uh there's a a great movie called The Greatest Showman. And there's a lot of great life lessons in that movie, but there's a there's a scene in that movie where his wife is telling, you know, uh, her husband who's trying to be loved by everybody. Hey, listen, babe, you don't have to be loved by everybody. Just a few people is enough. Uh and I think that is a is a something that we need to learn as a society. Uh, is that if you start if you if you chase those likes on social media too much, if you if you're trying to be loved by everybody, guess what? You're going to fail at that. Uh, and, and that means you're not taking stances on issues either if you're trying to be loved by everybody. Uh, and I've had to learn that. I've had to learn that uh, through politics, uh, that when you make decisions, some people are going to like those decisions. Some people aren't. Uh, and, and I think that's a, that's a lesson that we all need to learn no matter what industry we are
0: working in. Yeah, no, those are some great, great, uh, points as well. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but, uh, your wife, and I don't know how much involvement you've had. I'm sure your wife gets a lot of credit. Um, you, you both have created a family business that has kind of revolutionized, uh, some of the way infants are cared for. When they travel in the grocery stores and other yes. places, so tell us what your wife created and kind of a little bit about your guys's business in general and in some of the lessons that you've learned through the business process.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know my wife uh, is an entrepreneur and an inventor, and uh, she invented what is known today as the Binksy Baby shopping cart hammock. So if you go anywhere with shopping carts and you see a mom or a dad, pushing a shopping cart with a uh, hammock that's clipped into that shopping cart. Uh, That was my wife who invented that. She taught herself how to sew. Uh, Her and I were were packaging these up in our kitchen seven or eight years ago, had no idea really what we were getting ourselves into. And today, she runs a a pretty large uh, international baby product manufacturing business, very proud of her. Um, you know, I, I, we've learned a lot of things—the highs and lows of running a small business, for sure. Um, but, but one of those things uh, is is just working with international markets, making products. How, you know, why so many products are made overseas and not in America? Also, you know, I mean, we we got laughed out of the manufacturing facilities in America when we asked uh, if we could make a baby if we could make this baby hammock in America. Way, way too many barriers were up when we were trying to manufacture that in America. That's why most things are made in China. Uh, I'm looking to reshore as much uh, operations as we can in our current business, but but we should be doing that in every business. And so we've really learned, uh, and again, the harsh reality of how hard it is uh, and cost prohibitive it is to make products in America. We've got to address that issue. It's not an easy answer. I wish I had a silver bullet for it but I don't um but but it's something we're 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 certainly trying to uh, fix. Uh and the other you know the big thing that we deal with now is knockoffs. You know anybody that 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 has invented anything knows what I'm talking about here yeah. is you, the, the second you have a good idea and you make something someone is trying to copy it you know, we have a patent on our product. So unfortunately now we deal a lot with uh, knockoffs and and uh, have to have a lot of attorneys involved, shutting down other businesses that are stealing our products and our ideas. Uh, that's tough, but I guess you could say it's a good problem to have that we uh, we created a product that's, that's uh, pretty successful. Uh, and I wanna help small business owners across Oklahoma. It's another big reason that I ran for Lieutenant Governor is I want small business owners and entrepreneurs in Oklahoma to know that Oklahoma is here to help them. You don't have to go to Houston or Kansas City or Denver to start your business. We can put you through an accelerator, an incubator right here in Oklahoma. We can find uh, angel investors to invest in your company. We've got to tell that story, and we've got to tell business owners um, that, that, that you can be successful here in Oklahoma. Uh, And and that's another big passion of mine uh, as a lieutenant
0: governor. Awesome. You know, I like to end each show with the same three questions. And, you know, a lot of people struggle with negative self-talk. You know, there's lies or deceptions that we believe about ourselves or limitations that that we think we have that we really don't. So in terms of negative self-talk, what do you currently struggle with?
1: Mm, man, that's 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 good. Um, you know, I, I being in a a position of leadership uh, where we are as lieutenant governor, uh, you know, one of the things uh, it it is is staffing in, in the leadership element of, of delegating things. Uh, I, I I was not good and am still learning at delegating. Uh, and delegating to my staff and, and, and hiring good staff, we have a great staff. But but that delegation is so important as a leader um, to 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 make sure that uh, you don't have a a negative um, per- perception of whether it be your own staff or people around you that you have to do everything yourself. That's when things fall apart very quickly. Um, and and so I would say, in in some ways, uh, to, towards your question. Is is making sure that I'm empowering my own staff. I don't. Have, uh, I, I don't. I'm not negative uh, about uh, people around me that I've put in places of leadership around me. Uh, but but that uh, I, I'm a good listener, uh, good encouragement to my own staff. Uh, that that's something that I've had to learn to be better at, uh, and and something that uh, moving forward, if I'm going to continue to be a lieutenant governor, I've got to continue to. Uh, make sure that I'm my staff around me is is happy feels empowered uh, so that they can do a good job too
0: gotcha and in terms of decisions what's the best decision you've ever made and I'm excluding your wife running (laughs) for lieutenant governor and your choice of Jesus you can't can't pick one of those three okay those are off the table
1: uh, I thought you were going to maybe include the one thing that I would like to say is, yeah, where I went to uh, college. Because I, I would probably have to say the best decision that I've made outside of, you know, those uh, getting you know, who I married and, and uh, Jesus Christ would be Oral Roberts University. Uh, Oral Roberts University changed my life. Um, the the teachers that, that uh, were around me uh, that, that absolutely saw me as an individual. Uh, they saw me as as someone that was spirit filled and, and and wanted to make a difference in the world. You know, making no little plans here. You know, Oral Roberts University. Our motto, uh, I've carried with me my entire life. Uh, I learned how to be bold uh, and how to lead at Oral Roberts University. Uh, I'm still close with a, a lot of the, uh, the the friends that I made at Oral Roberts University that, that are now spread out across the world. Um, but it's why I ran for state chairman. I was the youngest state chairman in the country. I never would have been that bold to run for office that early if it were not for Oral Roberts University. Uh, I became certainly a stronger Christian, a better man, uh, and I could go on and on. Uh, I, I I learned how to uh, what it what it truly meant to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, at that university, and I'll forever be grateful to, uh, to the university and the, the professors that I had there.
0: What brings you peace? Mm.
1: You know, what, what you know, what brings me peace is my back uh, patio with a cup of coffee at uh, at uh, six a.m. Uh, you know, I, I always tell people, wake up thirty minutes earlier than you need to wake up, uh, and and take that time to be in. You know, for me, it's being in nature. And, and, and you know, it doesn't it may not be climbing a mountain it may just be going in your backyard and listening to the birds in the morning before uh, things get crazy and drinking a cup of coffee. For me, I've got to keep things pretty simple, right? Because I got four kids and, you know, crazy schedule. What brings me peace is is a little patio time uh, with my version Bible app in uh, early in the morning. Made in Oklahoma. Made in Oklahoma. That's right. Uh, that that 's what brings me peace, uh, certainly, yes, going to uh you know some amazing vacation destination uh, would also uh, give me a lot of peace too, but you know what 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 can you do on a daily basis to, to to bring you a little bit of peace a little bit more which will help your mental health as well man for me it 's waking up a little early uh, and, and having some quiet time
0: now before we go, I just want to know. Do you have any breaking news for us in about five to six years, if you'll be running for governor or not?
1: <laughs> you know, uh, if we do what we want to do as Lieutenant governor, uh, I think, yes, we, we probably will look at running for governor. I, I, if I said anything else, I, I, I would probably be not being honest with you. We, we love being Lieutenant governor though. And so we're, we're going to do that hopefully a few more years if voters, uh, reelect us. But, uh, We very well may look at running for governor one day, yeah.
0: That's awesome. I I think you would do a great job. Well, Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. I hope you have a great day.
1: Evan, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Take care. Thank you.
0: When I started this podcast, it was important for me to lead by example that I wouldn't hide behind a fake mask acting like I've arrived and speaking from the mountaintop, My whole purpose was to be vulnerable about where I was, my failures, my struggles, and my successes, so that I could be a bridge, that I could be a gap in this process of showing people how to change in the areas of faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun, because that's exactly where I'm at and what I'm doing. And I had a coach years ago, and he was the first coach I've ever had And he did it for a very affordable rate because I couldn't afford anything more than what he offered me. But he told me this, Evan, someday you're going to get in a spot where you're going to be able to give back to others. And I want you to remember what I'm doing for you here and now, that it's made affordable so that you can actually go through it. He goes, I believe in you and I trust that you'll do this. And so because of that, it resonated within me that at a certain point when I felt I've had enough hard knocks that I had something to offer other people I would start a coaching program and this is that I am now starting a coaching program and I'm going to make it affordable because by the graces of someone else that helped me out when I was first starting my journey I wanted to do the same for other people so I'm going to offer a free 15-minute coaching phone call to anyone that wants it you can go to the website thewholepersonpodcast.com and sign up for that free coaching phone call. And if you're looking to have a longer extended coaching relationship outside of that first 15 minute phone call, I have the prices right up front. I'm open about it and I'd be more than happy to see if we'd work well with one another and can help you reach and achieve the goals that you have in life. Guys, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the show.